It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis. The history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence so that's where we are raider nation simply put man up and play football and win a game and now that's a hell of a motivational speech here's jt the brick end of the game jt with you as we begin here on the flagship of the silver and black raider nation radio on a glorious monday man i congratulate everybody for fighting through this brutal winter this brutal winter of cold uh, cold in the morning cold at night we prayed for the pool party bottle service girls. We came together and prayed for them. And now they're back at the pool and everybody's celebrating in Vegas, baby. Vegas, which feels like Las Vegas, man. 80 degrees on Easter Sunday yesterday in the backyard. Wife made a beautiful ham. Kind of made a little Hawaiian ham, too. Threw some pineapple in there and everything. That was fantastic. Saw some great friends and I watched probably 12 hours of golf. 12 hours of golf to the point where it was too much, but I had a great holiday. Hope you did, too. Hope your family, if you traveled, if you're back in town, if you're traveling now to get home again, uh, thanks for listening to the flagship of the Raiders. It is Mock Draft Month. That's what I'm calling it now. Uh, Danny's in for Bobby today. We appreciate that. And I'm trying to plan. I live out of a calendar. So my life is out of a calendar. I don't live off my phone. I don't want to spend a lot of time on my phone. I've been known to make mistakes on my calendar on my phone. So I have a black, you know, bound calendar that I live out of. And I get a chance to write in. I'm emceeing a Raiders event. We got a draft party. We got this going on. And I flip it open. And for the last two weeks, there's nothing in my calendar. It's empty because we're in the NFL dead zone. Other than the Raiders and their GM, their scouts, and everybody else, especially behind the scenes, putting travel together. Imagine being working for the Raiders and you're supplying travel, calling agents, getting players to fly in for visits. They are working hard over in Henderson. Uh, this is my 25th year coming up. I know a lot of the new people there, but the old people that are still left, they're really good at this. And the Raiders are just spending all their time trying to find the right players to join this football team via the draft. And it's go time. And we're three weeks out. And we're about to go big. We've been going big. Last two weeks, we've had nine mock draft guests on. Nine. Today, I'm kind of open because it's Monday coming off the Masters, and we're heavy the rest of the week. And what we're trying to do is get interaction from you on what the Raiders should do. And there's two ways of looking at it. Individual player, right? So that's an individual player that you like. More important, the position need, which is a really big problem now we have when it's confusion in the Raider Nation. Where do you go? Again, talk to Raider Mort on the right end. He's kind of like the guy I reach out to. Mort, what do you think? Oh, we got to go get the tackle. I go, really? A tackle? We just took Leatherwood. He busted out. He goes, it doesn't matter. Got to get the right tackle with the left tackle. Protect Jimmy G, Josh Jacobs. I'm like, all right. I disagree. I like Christian Gonzalez to corner. 
who's got the size of Namdi Asamoah, uh, not as lanky and long as Mike Haynes. I'd never compare anybody to Lester or Mike Haynes. But if he goes that high at number seven, I'm going to compare him to Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes if he comes into the building. I like the corner with the seventh pick overall. And then the quarterback, the smoke screens, and what everybody thinks. Man, oh, man, as I go through these mock drafts, oh, I mean, I'd probably say 50% of the mock drafts I'm looking at have Raiders going quarterback, either trading up to three, waiting there for their quarterback to drop. I'm like, good luck with that. Good luck with that. That's hard to do. And as I've been selling you on this show, I'd go defense. I'd go defense heavy, heavy defense, like trading back to the second round and getting three defensive starters, whatever you got to do. I'm heavy defense in this draft because I have to host a postgame show, which is a highlight of my life. And you leave the building. I see you go by me in the Modelo Cantina. You walk by me. You're leaving. Everyone else is leaving, and I'm in the building locking up with everybody, taking your calls. Man, it was tough last year. I mean, I wasn't digging ditches. Putting out oil fires tough. But it was, it was, if you listen last year, it was tough because the defense couldn't stop anybody. And when they did, at times they did. They got off the field, Max. You know, they knock a ball down. They get off the field. They give it back to the offense. They can't get a first down. Then the defense is back on the field again. There's got to be more of a balance. There's got to be a balance with younger players, draft-eligible, protected, smaller contracts who are going to be here a long period of time so these evaluators can evaluate them after two or three years and decide if they're going to extend their rookie deals. That really, that's the goal of every team. Draft correctly, start building players on a team that's going to be really good, and then re-sign your players back because you know them in the building. You know, Dave Ziegler came in, saw a whole bunch of guys in the building who were nice guys. They're in the weight room. They're working out. They bought in, but they weren't the guys that he would have brought in. And, and I'm starting to see this, which is a really big positive because of the toxicity of what we've been dealing with the last couple of months from the fans' perspective, which is okay by me. You're the fans. You run the show. I host the show. I host the show. You can run it at certain times. I got all the topics, the interviews ready to go, but you can change me on a dime with one phone call or one tweet. And what's been happening now is everybody is just pissed off because they don't believe in the process or the plan or they won't open up their mind to understand the process or the plan. They're the type of people that are just like when you go in to a room, they say, I don't want to hear anything. Stop. I don't want to hear anything. You say, wait a second. I got something to say. Here's the plan. Here's what we're doing. I don't want to hear it. We got a lot of those guys running around. Mostly guys, not you gals out there. You gals are much more balanced and quiet, and you know you make up your mind the right way peacefully and slowly. Man, I'm dealing with Raider Nation, man. They're coming at me. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? What should we do? And that's what I'm doing. I'm a traffic cop. I'm navigating through the draft, which is about to happen here in a couple of weeks. I have opinions. You always get my opinions. No one's ever accused me of not having an opinion. Uh, I'm also trying to encourage people to be positive and give these guys a chance And then also the gentlemen who are running the team on the football side of it, I think are generally good guys with a good track record, and they want to fix it. And they're going to try to do it, and they should be encouraged by their own fans because the Chief fans and the Denver fans and the Charger fans hate our guts. Hate our guts! They hate you! I don't like to use the word hate anymore in my mid-50s. I'm trying to get out of that stage in my life. I don't hate anybody coming off Easter Sunday. But there is an army of people, I always use the Game of Thrones analogy, coming to the Raider Castle trying to take it out with dragons. They hate your guts. 
and you're sitting here fighting amongst yourselves? As I got to get the army up, get everybody up out of the barracks, hey, they're coming at the wall, get up, man, get up, load up. And I got guys in the barracks fighting each other? That's what I'm doing for a living. I'm fighting amongst Raider fans who just can't go, hey, man, shh, April, April, May, June, Jimmy G, you know, Josh Jacobs, Mad Max. It's, it's okay. couple of games lost that should have been won. Kind of slow down a bit. No, it is intense. But this is now the calm before the storm. The storm is the draft. I don't want to hear any excuses because you're not going to get them from Dave. He's not an excuse guy. He's a really intelligent, intelligent guy. And I think the right guy for the job when it comes to GM. And he's got to have clarity. He's got to see through the storm clouds and get the players that he wants. And I believe this draft's going to have a little bit of chaos in it. I think with all the pre-draft hype for the quarterbacks who are not worth where they're being drafted, really they're not. We're not talking about Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, John Elway here. Okay? We're not talking about that. I've seen Aaron Rodgers drop in the first round where they had cameras on him in the first round. He was so embarrassed he couldn't even look up at the cameras. Okay? You don't compare Anthony Richardson to Aaron Rodgers. All right? Or Will Levis. And this guy's if Aaron Rodgers could drop like a rock in the ocean, it doesn't seem like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are going to drop. They might go one, two, three, four, which more of the mock drafts are saying. More of the mock drafts and the insiders who get paid to do this are predicting that's going to happen. That they get the quarterbacks out of the way, get your quarterback, get your quarterback, and then it's on to the draft. Then it's on to Carter and Witherspoon and Gonzalez and all these other players. Go get them if they fall to So I think the Raiders are in a pretty good spot. Number seven, you don't want to be there again. We don't want to see the Raiders at number seven. We want to see the Raiders picking number 28, 29, 30, because they went to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. But right now we're dealing with a high pick, and we're trying to talk about for the next three weeks, if you're going to give me a call in the next three weeks, we want to talk about position need, not player. not Forget about the player. Position need. That helps me out with you on kind of dictating, because I have the players here in front of me. I have it all here. So you could say, hey, we need a linebacker. I could say, well, I wouldn't make it a priority in the first round, but maybe in the third round, and hopefully I can give you two or three names that might be available. So that's pretty simple where I want to go and mix it in with some draft and the Vegas Golden Knights and what the Golden Knights are doing, baseball, uh, LeBron James in the play-in game. I got a lot to say on that. We got an NBA guest coming up here in the second hour. So that's what we're going to do. The number is here for you at 702-365-9200. Again, if you had a great weekend, sports-related, the Masters. I'm about to get to the Masters in a second. I'd like to hear from you on that. And again, what the Raiders are going to do is we're building for the Raider draft coming up here in less than three weeks, which feels like a long time out here, but starting next Monday, it's just going to be pure chaos. You know, we're only going to have eight or nine shows before the draft or seven or eight shows before the draft, and that's going to be exclusively what I'm doing here. And hopefully, again, the Vegas Golden Knights winning in the playoffs and advancing in the playoffs. Uh, PT's Fuels the Monologue. they got a brand-new location. This company's amazing. They've been with me as long as anybody in town. The new PT's Gold on Desert Inn and Durango. Oh, no, that's right here. That's right literally where the studio is. Whoa, that could get dangerous. PTs, love this one. They just had the grand opening. This is a great location with the Vegas Golden Knight theme viewing area featuring a 136-inch screen just in time for the playoffs. The location also has two pool tables and golden tea. I just tweeted out the location 
uh, as I opened up the show at JT the Brick. So there's a video of this brand new PTs. I think you should take a look at it and, and see what it looks like, and hopefully we can get there for some hockey. Maybe it's an ulterior spot for you to watch the NFL draft as the NFL draft is right around the corner. All right, let me get to the Masters yesterday, which was glorious. The Masters had so much going on, it was a masterpiece. First, the weather. Bad weather is kind of good in a way because it brings out the best and worst in golfers. Golf is an outdoor sport. Every time you play, the weather can't be like Palm Springs in May where it's 90 degrees, no humidity, and there's no wind. That's why in Palm Springs they shoot 28 under. Okay, this is the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. So you had rain, 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 stoppages starting up. I mean, how ugly was it to see Tiger walking around limping that way? That brought grown men to tears watching Tiger Woods. But Brooks Kepka, who I've always liked, a lot of people don't, got out and had a pretty big lead. I thought he was going to hold on and win. And then John Rahm came back and just slaughtered him. And if you look at the amount of holes that he made up, it was kind of Greg Norman-esque. Greg Norman, when he collapsed to Nick Faldo, had a six-shot lead. Well, Kepka was kind of right there, too, and he got lapped. He got blown out by John Rahm. So that was entertaining to see. And then we had the battle between Live Golf and the PGA Tour, which I feel like I have a Ph.D. in because I talk golf on the radio. I understand the battle of it. And I care about the PGA Tour more than Live because the Live golfers are taking the Saudi money. Phil Mickelson did it because he doesn't like the way the PGA conducts their tour. And he got, he got $200 million. Not $100, $200 million for Phil. And he almost won the tournament. It would have broke the internet. If, Phil, if, if Scotty Scheffler put the green jacket on Phil, oh my God. That wouldn't have been one of the top stories in golf. That would have been one of the top stories I've ever seen in my life. And it was damn close to happening. You had Phil and Brooks Kepka on Live Golf, Patrick Reed. You had three of the top five guys from the guys who split for the money. And you know, this golf is very pompous. It's very country club. But John Rahm isn't that guy. My son's a sophomore. He goes to ASU. He's getting on a flight this afternoon. My wife's taking him to the airport during the show. And John Rahm went to ASU. So it was nice to see my son and Phil Mickelson went to ASU. They went one and two. But I was pulling for Brooks Kepka because I root for America. I don't root for Spain. JT the Brick wasn't born in Barcelona. I was born in Long Island, New York. I fly my American flag during the majors. So even though a lot of people think Kepka is a pain in the ass, I was pulling for him and Phil down the stretch, and they made it very interesting. Rom was great when he got the green jacket and started to talk to the media there. He told an NFL story to start it off. Thursday morning, when I was on my golf, on, getting on the golf cart to get to this putting green 10 minutes before my tee time, I saw a text from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to name him because he is a Super Bowl winning champion, Zach Ertz. Um, he, he said the text, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here, but he said, that first green looking like a walk in the park or something like that right now. Ten minutes before I four-putted the start of the tournament. <laughs> so, thank you, Zach. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, please. That was really good. He four-putted. He, he, he got a double bogey on the first hole of the tournament and ended up winning it, running away with it. Tremendous score considering the way he started off. And the patrons, you can't call them fans, they won't let you broadcast. They're the patrons. They had to deal with the weather, and they really grinded it out. If you had a ticket for that thing on Friday or Saturday, 
and that was your bucket list. When I went with my dad in 2007, it changed my life. It was the coldest Masters to date. It was miserably cold, but there was no wind and there was no rain. But if you went on Friday and Saturday and you had to stand under an umbrella in the cold, I mean, that's a fan. My show is always about the fan who goes to the game. A lot of fans that can't afford it and the fans that aren't able to go, I get that. But the fans who can go, uh, John Rahm thanked them all for coming there and supporting them. To all the patrons who came out here, thank you so much for the support. This Sunday was, was incredible. You know, it's... It was so much fun to see and hear the applause and your cheers towards me the entire day. It was, it was something really, really special, not only on 18, throughout the entire day, every single shot. You guys were out there for me and showed up, so thank you very much. Yeah, I thought he was really classy there. I have no problem with him winning. I mean, look at the last two winners of the majors, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. I mean, these are beasts. These are guys who are going to win multiple, multiple masters, I believe just getting going here in their 20s. So that was very entertaining. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I thought the drama was there. I love the fact that Rory McIlroy got his ass kicked after he thinks he's a preacher and preaching the good word of morality in the PGA Tour, and the live golfers are like, get the hell out of here. We're going to bury you. Phil Mickelson at 52 came in second, and Rory McIlroy didn't make the cut. Hey, Rory, it's time to shut up and go back to the range and play golf because you got your ass kicked by live. And if you'd like to put together a call on Live Golf compared to the PGA Tour, this is a sports talk show. It is not an NFL show. It's sports talk radio. We talk all sports here. If you watched it, if you love Rom, if you thought Mickelson could win, I'd love to hear from you today on Monday, 702-365-9200. And lastly, I want to get to Odell Beckham Jr. signing with the Ravens. That's fascinating and interesting to me. They overpaid for him, $15 million guaranteed. He could make $18 million. Way over market for him at 30, coming off an injury. But the Ravens did it maybe as an olive branch to get Lamar Jackson to play on the franchise tag. The franchise tag's $34 million. That's chump change. The league is changing completely and going to 50 to $60 million a year. They're asking an MVP and Lamar Jackson at 26 to play for $30-plus million. So the Ravens see this, and they need another team to give him an offer. Because as soon as Lamar Jackson gets an offer, the Ravens are going to tag that offer and say, we're going to take him back. And it's going to be for less than what Lamar wants. So there's going to be a lot of ugliness with Lamar and the Ravens going forward. But i got to give the Ravens credit. They're bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. to tell Lamar, hey, while you're getting no offers and you have no other options because you're not going to walk away from $34 million, you're going to come back and play for us for one more year, and we got your OBJ. We got your Beckham, and we got your great defense and a great head coach who's always in the playoffs. So I think that's a solid move by the Ravens going forward. The Raiders don't have room for another wide receiver. Come on. It's up, someone, on, someone in the Raider Nation was tweeting out a whole bunch of Philip Dorsett videos that I haven't seen. Oh, my God. See that guy run? Philip Dorsett? I mean, I know how fast he is, but in the videos I've seen, I wish I knew who did it, there were unbelievable videos of him just running in clean, long bombs and blowing by cornerbacks and safeties. The Raiders have Devontae Adams. They have Hunter Renfro. For everybody who asks me, which is the most asked question, will Hunter be on the roster? At one point, I would have said 50-50. I just didn't know if Hunter was going to be the fit for these guys. But every day Hunter's here, I do a backflip. Down to the PTs on Durango here. I do a backflip. You don't think I can? I love Hunter. I'd like to see Hunter stay if he can because it'll be another weapon for Jimmy G on third and five where someone's going to be wide-ass open. I mean, think of this for a second. 
close your eyes unless you're driving. Third and five at the Raiders' 35-yard line. A.J. Cole's warming up. He's ready to come and punt. Jimmy G's in the shotgun. He's got Josh Jacobs to the right. Devontae, he's got Austin Hooper at tight end. He's got O.J. Howard into block. They have Jacoby Myers in the right slot, Hunter in the left slot, Dorsett wide. Who's stopping that? All you got to do is run a six-yard in route. Six yards, cut inside. Jimmy G looks left, pivots, turns his hips, boom. Wide open. The Patriot way. Say it with me. What's the Patriot way? Brady getting the play from McDaniels. Not Brady making the play. How dare you? It came in from Josh. Calling the play. Brady looking at the defense. Taking his time. And instantly going, wow. What a play. This guy's going to be wide open. And he throws to the guy who's wide open. That didn't happen with Derek and Josh McDaniels. There was a disconnect with the philosophy and what the quarterback could do or wasn't allowed to do. No more. We got Jimmy G. He knows the offense. You got Brian Hoyer in the meetings telling everybody this is what to do. You got Devontae, needs a double team. You got a couple of good slot receivers, and you got the leading rusher in the league. So that third and five is a seven-yard completion to a wide-open guy, first down. Defense, go get more Gatorade. Patrick Graham, go sit down, talk to the defense. Defense doesn't have to come back on the field. That's the only way this thing works. Only way. Not going to be the defense flipping in the next two years to be top five in the league. I would doubt it. I hope it could happen. It would be sustaining first downs, eating up the clock with an efficient red zone quarterback that once he gets you in the red zone, gets you more touchdowns. That's what I think the plan is. As a matter of fact, I know it's the plan because I talked to the coach and the GM. That's the plan. Run the play that we send in. Run it right. Don't look to change it. We ran the right play. Execute it. And Jimmy G going, yeah, whatever, sure, give me the play. That's the plan. Then the defense has got to be better, and they need more explosive, faster, and smarter players. And you got to find them in the draft because they brought in a lot of guys, as Raider Mort would say, a lot of guys with the air quotes to be backups, second-string guys, a couple of first-round starters with Epps and Spillane. Those guys are going to start. And then we need a whole bunch of starters, a lot of them on defense, and I think they're going to have to get them. That's the monologue. Let's hear from you, 702-365-9200. Hardcore Raider, you're up first today. Hope you had a good holiday. How are you? Hey, JT. Uh, hope, hopefully you had a good Easter yes, weekend. Yes, thank you. Hope you did too. Hey, uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, I'll just kind of repeat what I uh, told the morning show, and I'm going to stay consistent with it, which is, I've been a huge proponent to get two second-round picks, draft picks, and mm-hmm. two third-round draft picks since the end of the season. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we got Hen and Hooker coming and visiting the Raiders, and, you know, I just really think that years from now, if the Raiders don't get this guy, and I'm not saying at number seven, but years Hendon from Hooker's now. Gonna, Hendon Hooker's going to be done in the 20s now. He, he, I think I would take him in the third round, but everybody's going to run on these first four quarterbacks and Hooker at 17, 18, 21. Someone's going to come in and get him. So if you want to move back and get Hooker, or if you want to trade from the second round in to get Hooker, but you're not going to get Hooker by waiting to the second round. He's going to be gone. Well, no, I'm not saying wait, because that's what happened to us with Jalen Hurts. You know, mm-hmm. we waited, and the Eagles, uh, you know, got him. So, you know, I think we trade back to the mid-teens. I think you got to be ahead of Tampa Bay. I think they're like 19 or 18 pick. Um, and then, you know, the Seahawks, you know, they have a second pick in the first round in the mm-hmm. teens. Uh, I think the Seahawks might pull the trigger on him, you know. So, so you want to trade? Hold on, you want to trade out and get an unconditionally 
stopper on defense. You want to give up that player to get a third-string quarterback in Hendon Hooker who's 25 years old already. A- absolutely, because okay. the money's there. If we, can, if we can get an extra second-round pick, and then we also have two third-round mm-hmm. picks, there, JT, there's, there's going to be studs. Cornerbacks, linebackers. They're not going to be first round studs. They're not going to be first round no, studs. You're, you're, no. you're telling me wait for the third round and hope to get lucky. Lucky. We've we've taken a bunch of third round picks around here. They're out of the league. I don't want to wait to the first round. I want. I thought you were okay, going to call okay. me on two first round picks. All right. All right. So what's Max Crosby? Is he chopped liver? Because I'm pretty sure yeah. he was in the first, second, or the. Third he was round. in the fourth round, no, Max. No. Fourth round. Yeah. That, that's from somebody doing their homework and they okay. saw talent in somebody. There's going to be guys just like that available in the second and third rounds. I'm telling you. Okay. Linebacker, cornerback, cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. That guy's going to fall second, possibly a third round. That guy, I, I think, has a lot of potential. Now, is he some of these other guys that you know get all the hype? Eh, not necessarily, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that he can be. But my question is, how many guys go back and, and fact-check these draft uh, analysts that say this guy's going to be a stud, and then years later you go back and you check, and that, that first-round pick may not have done much. Well, hey, I like I like what you're saying, man. I like what you're saying. I just think you're. I disagree with you because Hooker, to me, is not a first round talent. Never. I don't. I don't think Willis is a first round high talent. I think he's mid. But look, if you want to do that, you called me. I, you're the only guy I have on hold who has the balls to make a pick. I've been sitting here for a week waiting for people to tell me who do you like, what position group. You really have a plan in place, and I respect listening to your plan. If years from now. Hinton Hooker, you know, he's injured or whatever. We'll, we'll see what happens. But if mm. years from now he ends up being a Jalen Hurts, you hear anybody barking at why no. Jalen Hurts wasn't a first round? No, absolutely not. He took them to the Super Bowl. So if Hinton Hooker, okay. he's more mature, he's the only quarterback that, that played all four years besides Levis. Mm. Uh, you know, Richardson is, is, is okay. a stud to some degree, but he doesn't have the experience. Hinton Hooker is more mature. He should be able to learn the system faster. The dude is accurate. He has five interceptions in two years, JT. Mm. Five interceptions yeah, I've seen him play. in two years. Yep. Appreciate yeah, the. All right, you got it, man. You got everything in. That was a good phone call. Okay, I appreciate you coming in. That's why he's hardcore Raider. He had a hardcore phone call. He wants to go back. He wants to get rid of the seventh pick. I do not. I want the best defensive player available. That's it. That's all you're going to hear from me for the next three weeks. Give me the best defensive player available at number seven. And I think there's a lot of people around the league, and that caller just said it that thinks that Dave's going to trade back to get more picks, and I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. If he wants to trade up to get Anthony Richardson, he'll be the face of the franchise. That'll be cool. We'll have a new face of the franchise here. I'm one of the people that believe with three to four starters on defense, which is called threading the needle. You got to thread that needle. You got to get it four for four, like playing cards. Okay, we can't have one bad card mixed in it and do three out of four. I think if they can get four defensive starters who are young and they let them play, and two of them are elite and two of them are very good, then I think the Raiders could have a completely different look for this entire franchise, and we won't have to wait two or three years to be a contender. Now, if you want to draft guys that you're going to use as building blocks for two or three years because you think they're superstars, then you'll know the outlook of this entire organization. And those are the guys making the decisions, not me. And if they want to do that, it's going to be very evident to see what the Raiders do with their first two picks. Are they here to win on defense now and fix everything? Or do they want to kind of take the best offensive player or defensive player, park them, and let them develop? None of us know, nor should we know. We should have no idea what they're doing, which is a good thing. All right, 702-365-9200. I got 90 minutes to go. Let's talk about Raider needs. That was a good call. His need was a quarterback in the first round by trading back. 
That's pretty, that's pretty unique. You know, a lot of people say the only way to get a quarterback is to trade up. We're brought to you by Remy Martin. We team up for excellence. We'll always, we're always going to have a group of players, I would say, um, in free agency that you just know based on what the market is and what conversations are. If you want to get that player, you're going to have to do that in the first couple days of free agency. And then there's going to be another pool of players that um, you're going to make the decision on, like this position group or this player, whatever it may be, um, we're going to wait. You know, we're going to sit and wait and see how the market materializes. And I think that is predicated on maybe the depth of that position. That may be predicated on what the draft um, is, the, the, the surplus and demand in the draft at that certain position is. So I think there's a, there's a few different variables that go into making that decision. But, um, yeah, there's, there's situations where there's probably, I think, unless you're planning on sitting free agency out, um, and you just go in with that mindset, there's always going to be a player or two that you know that if you're going to do a deal, you're going to have to do that on the front side of free agency. And, and there'll be some players like that this year also. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. All right, that's Dave Ziegler from earlier this year talking about free agency and when to pull the trigger on him. And they're just not going to pull the trigger on high-priced free agents. That's just not the philosophy why he came in to be the general manager of the team. They want to get to the point where they're drafting players and they're building the players through the draft, which that's the way it works in this league. And that's the way it always worked under Al Davis. Al Davis, early in his career, in the, the depth of the draft of the Raiders behind Mr. Davis was so strong. And then those players becoming Raiders for 9, 10, 11, 12 years. I mean, we talked to all of them. Right, It's rare that a player leaves the Raider organization back in the 60s and 70s, and that's where the glory years were. And now the league has evolved and changed. There's much more free agency. There's much more glamour. If you can get a player that can quickly turn it around, the Rams were the most recent team to do it. The Rams went out and got Jalen Ramsey, got a bunch of players, Matthew Stafford. They went out and got what they needed to fill some holes, and then they won a Super Bowl. It's nice when you can do that. Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. No one bigger than Tom Brady when they signed him. They went out and got extra players. Look at the play of Leonard Fournette and the play of aging players or guys that had one more year. And then they built the draft and the offensive line. They built they built the linebackers and defense and the offensive line in the draft. And they hit a lottery ticket. They won the Super Bowl. Kansas City won the last Super Bowl. They had a really good draft last year. Bunch of guys came in. Other guys played on a one-year deal. They got Super Bowl rings. Now they break it down. And they build it the right way, the Kansas City way. They do it right. A combination of players to do it. Uh, the Raiders will not overspend on free agents. Now, did they overspend on Devontae, giving up two, a first and a second round pick? I don't think so. I think Devontae is the best thing happening in this city. I really do. I think Devontae is the best thing happening in this city, period, because the Raiders have him locked up, and they went out and got him. They gave up a little bit. And I don't think they're going to do that again. I don't think the Raiders are going to give up a first-round draft pick to move up and not have one next year to go get Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. If they do, I was wrong. And they go do that because they think that's the right guy. But all of the mock drafts that I have in front of me, and welcome back to the show as we're brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. I was there over the weekend, uh, went again to one steakhouse, found myself at the bar with the great John O'Donnell, had a nice, nice steak and a great weekend heading into Easter. Head on out to Virgin Hotels Las Vegas and especially see all their concerts that they have there in the theater. So there's two things I wanted to point out to you as we welcome you back here. 
Uh, first off, uh, the mock tra- there's about seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve mock draft guys that I lean on, and I have them in a one month grid, and we put them on. Chad Reuter from NFL.com's four round mock draft in the first round. Very interesting. This is the draft that I singled out to look at today. He's got Carolina at number one taking C.J. Stroud. Accurate in the pocket, better than Bryce Young. Number two, he's got Houston taking Bryce Young. Two Alabama forces align with the new head coach, D'Amico Ryans, and his quarterback. I get that. The Texans want to have Bryce Young more power to him. And number three, this is a really well-thought guy in a mock draft. He has a trade, Arizona trades, just one spot. Indy goes up and takes Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, out of Florida. Okay, now remember, if Indy can trade from four to three, the Raiders then could trade from seven to three to get Anthony Richardson. So how am I supposed to believe that Indy likes Anthony Richardson more than Dave Ziegler does? I don't. But this mock draft's from a good guy, and he's got Richardson at three. Then the draft starts at number four with Arizona getting Will Anderson, the Alabama edge rusher, who seems to be the best edge rusher. Arizona doesn't have J.J. Watt anymore. They need some defense push. And this would be the guy to do it. At number five, this is the really big pick I was surprised by. They go Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback, uh, goes from Penn State at number five. That, to me, doesn't make sense. Detroit takes the edge rusher from Iowa, Van Ness. Then at number seven, he's got the pick that I would make. At number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders select Christian Gonzalez, Oregon cornerback, He writes, adding Gonzalez's athleticism and ball skills instantly improves the Raiders' morbid secondary. Woo. Someone had to edit that. Morbid secondary. Okay. So that's where the draft gets going. Then I go to Daniel Jeremiah, who's one of the best guys out there. He's the new Mike Mayock. Remember when Mike Mayock was big at NFL Network? Jeremiah was underneath Mike Mayock. And now Daniel Jeremiah, who's also on the Chargers broadcast, and does a very good job. He's their draft guru. And he didn't list the order of the picks. He just gave you, here are the best players from 1 to 100. So I had a coffee today, and I looked at this, and I went through the list. And he had number one, had Bryce Young. At number two, Will Anderson, the edge rusher, number two. Uh, then he had Robinson, the running back from Texas. And then the name I, he- I keep hearing being associated with the Raiders. This is the name. I've been waiting all morning to tell you. Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech. I'm sensing a lot of people are leaning towards the Raiders getting another edge rusher, which would check my box on defense, but it wouldn't check my box in biggest need. You got Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, who played a little bit better at the end of the year, but they didn't have a lot of sacks. So if you had Tyree Wilson there, he could be your young athletic. He's identical at the same age as Khalil Mack identical same thing Khalil Mack came out of Buffalo this kid would be number four I agree with him and could the Raiders take him I've been keeping an eye on the light bulb went off in my head why are people connecting the Raiders to Tyree Wilson on a bunch of mock drafts could be developing at number five Jalen Carter let's stop there everybody says you got to examine his off-field issues whatever he's doing off-field from drag racing to other issues isn't going to change by April Okay. All he's doing is showing up in meetings saying, I'm reformed. I'm good. I'll never do it again. I've been getting in trouble. I'm a knucklehead. I promise you, if you pick me, I won't let it happen again. As many people have told you, including Vinny on this show, it's the absolute number one need. The number one need for the Raiders, without a doubt, is defensive tackle. And Jalen Carter's the best to come into the league since Aaron Donald. If the Raiders took him, 
at number seven where he could drop, that would take a lot of balls. We talk balls on this show. That'd take a lot. Because you'd be taking a guy coming into this town where people are going to go, oh, no, what's going to happen with him? Well, he's hopefully nothing. Hopefully they vet him and he's good. Then at number six, Daniel Jeremiah has Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois corner. Very good player. He has C.J. Stroud at seven. And then I have to go all the way down to find Anthony Richardson at 10. And again, I want you to read you what I want to read to you what Daniel Jeremiah says about Christian Gonzalez, the 11th ranked prospect in the entire draft with three quarterbacks, quarterbacks, not corners in front of him. Says Gonzalez is a tall and fluid cornerback with excellent ball skills. He is physical in press coverage, but can easily flip his hips to stay in position downfield. He does a nice job finding and playing the ball when his back is to the quarterback. He has excellent hands to attack the ball and take it away. In off coverage, he isn't super twitchy on his plant and drive. He's more of a smooth mover than a dynamic, explosive closer. He is very willing and physical to tackle against the run. Overall, Gonzalez gave up some plays early in 2022, but he improved throughout the year and should be a quality day one starting cornerback. And then Jeremiah at number 12 has Will Levis. So I just wanted to tell you two things that are jumping out at me today. Number one is Christian Gonzalez, who's been jumping out at me. And the other one that I think we're seeing leaked by the mock draft world is Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech. That's the player that's on my radar now because too many good people that I respect are connecting him to the Las Vegas Raiders. And then the other guy that doesn't make me nervous, but Paris Johnson Jr., the Ohio State offensive tackle. As I was saying, I was talking about this with Raider Mort. Here's a guy at tackle is awesome. He's got everything. He's perfect in the pass game. Quick feet, the stance, his hands, he lands punches. I mean, he just puts people backwards. We took Thayer Mumford in the seventh round. If we take Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State overall in the first round, then the Raiders are not checking my box. They're getting another offensive player, but they're getting a need tackle. So you'd have Colt Miller and Paris Johnson Jr. I wouldn't complain about that. I wouldn't go crazy. But you'd have your tackles, your bookend tackles with Josh Jacobs protecting Jimmy Garoppolo, and there'd be no more talk about the offensive line. Done. Done. You'd have your center, your left guard, your right tackle, your left tackle. You're still looking for right guard. You can move Illuminor to right guard, and he'll do a fine job there. So those are a couple of the names that are jumping out today as I'm talking about need and position groups, 702-365-9200. If either of those names, those three names, excuse me, jump out at you. I pivot now to the NBA, where the Warriors are now the talk of the NBA. And a lot of our listeners who are listening to me are Warrior fans. We're going to have Damon Bruce on tomorrow from the Bay Area, who covers the Warriors, to talk about this. Warriors, I was so pissed off Friday night when Sacramento sat their starters against the Warriors. It's like, what are you doing? And they're going to play the Warriors in the first round. I'm like, you're sitting your guys down. You're giving the Warriors a free win. Why would you give the Warriors a free win? I don't know. They wanted to do that. If you're gambling, I think there should be wink, wink, and investigation. The point spread moved seven and a half points because Mike Brown, Steve Kerr's best friend, decided to rest his starters when he has dinner with Steve Kerr at the French Laundry in Napa and their best friends. I'm like, wait a second. I started calling my gambling guys up. Got a couple of gambling guys in my pocket. I go, what the hell's going on here? Well, Sacramento's the three seed. They don't have to play their starters. I said, what are you talking about? They're Sacramento. They've sucked our entire life. And they're letting the Warriors have a free win on the road? 
Warriors only had nine road wins heading into that game. And then the Warriors win this next game against Portland because they don't have anybody who wants to play. Damian Lillard plays for that dump. So the Warriors' last two games, no one played, and they did this. Kaminga fakes, puts it on the deck, right-hand dribble. He wants to go. Wants to, now he throws a cross-court to Poole with seven. Poole, dribble, step back, pump fake, fly by, three, ball, got it! Got it. Curry off the screen, comes left. Chest pass to Thompson. Takes a dribble, fires for three again. He rattled it home. Wow. That's number four for Thompson. He's got 14 points in two minutes and 37 seconds. Do the Warriors want to be in the playoffs? I think so. 55 to 27 at the end of one. Incredible. That's a record, 55 points in a quarter. Tim Roy, friend of the show, said, do the Warriors want to be in the playoffs on the play-by-play? And I sat there, and Danny played it for me before the show, and I said, do the Warriors want to be in the playoffs? Well, apparently so, because everybody else is resting their players against the Warriors. <laughs> this league is, uh, is so messed up. I said on my national show last night, this was the worst NBA season of my life. All-time worst season in NBA history. Kyrie Irving blew up the Brooklyn Nets, blew up the Dallas Mavericks. Damian Lillard hurt, they shut him down. Kevin Durant can't get through warm-ups without getting hurt. Right, he doesn't play at all. Now he's playing. LeBron and Anthony Davis had to bust their ass to not play in the play-in tournament to be the sixth seed because they're playing the Timberwolves. And then last night, the Timberwolves got into a fight. Rudy Gobert is throwing punches at his teammate, Kyle Anderson. I'm told that the back and forth was about first Anderson telling Rudy Gobert, hey, why don't you block some shots? Gobert telling him, uh, why don't you grab a rebound? And then it escalated from there. If you don't believe the fix is in, then you don't believe the fix is in. The Lakers get to play the Wolves in the play-in tournament. They don't have enough players. They're throwing punches at each other, and one of their best players threw a punch after the game into a wall, broke his hand. He's out. That's who get the. That's what the Lakers get to play in their play-in tournament, and the Warriors have two teams in their division, Portland and Sacramento, who are like, hold on, Steve, we're going to give you a red carpet. On the, on the court, your, your season's been a disaster. You can't beat anybody on the road. Come kick our ass. We'll sit everybody so you can feel good about yourself heading into the postseason. This is the NBA. And now they got this play-in tournament, which is the best way I can describe this NBA play-in tournament, the loser's bracket. The parents out there that have kids who are 11, 10, who play club baseball. Okay, for whatever reason, they're just not happy in Little League. they got to be on a club team. Okay, I did that too. You put them on a club team. And then all of a sudden, they ask you to travel. And you got to travel to California on the weekend. And you're like, I don't want to go to California on the weekend. I got to pay for gas. I'm going to have to fill up the tank three times. I'm going to have to get a hotel room for two nights. Oh, and the boys are going to lose every game in the club ball tournament. At the end of the sixth game they play over two days, the organizer who took all the money from mom and dad, the hotel rooms, everything else, the organizer of the club ball tournament where your son's team went 1-5 or 0-6, they get a little pin. They get a little medal. They give them a little medal or a little trophy, a little plastic trophy for participating in this tournament in the Valley in Los Angeles, and then you got to drive four hours home and thinking you did the right thing as a parent and making sure your kid in the back seat feels like he got a participation trophy. 
Oh, don't worry, Timmy. You didn't win a game. You didn't even play much. It was 90 degrees. We stayed in a crap hotel. We don't even know these other parents, but we did it for what reason again? So you could feel like you participated. That is the NBA wrapped up in a bow. Now we're going to have a play-in tournament for the, for the eight, nine, 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. So all these teams that sucked all year could figure out that they're good, and they made the playoffs. They all get a pin, and they can go back and put on their Wikipedia that they made the playoffs. No, they didn't win, make the playoffs. They were in last place, and they're able to play in this extra tournament for the losers. Thank God I'm on the radio and I can point out the crap this society's going through. Everybody needs a participation trophy. For the moms and dads who are out there, raise a glass of Modelo if you don't feel pressured when your kid's 8, 9, 10, 11 that he's got to get a participation trophy because you're the last of the Mohicans. You're the last of the people who get it because the NBA and we got three wild card teams in baseball. We can't bear to tell anyone in society anymore that you're not good enough. You missed the playoffs. So that's your NBA playoff pitch. Get ready. It's coming. And they're going to expect you to watch the next couple of nights. I will, because I do this for a living. But most people I talk to don't watch the NBA anymore, just for what I said in the last five minutes. Now here's the 2-2. And the pitch is lined deep to left center field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Another Judgian blast. He hit the ball just where the bullpen began at 376. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. Yeah, shout-out to Grimaldi's. Mark Anderson from the AP will join us next hour. Also, another NBA conversation coming up here as we continue on here on the show coming up the weekend. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We are into the mock draft portion of this month coming up here. Three weeks out to the draft, a little bit before that. I'll be anchoring the draft party draft. That'll be exciting again to do that again as the Raiders will have a a tremendous amount of tension on them. That was Aaron Judge hitting a home run. Uh, The biggest story in baseball is the Tampa Bay Rays are 9-0. 9-0 with a plus 57 run differential. Now, they've beaten some bad teams. There's no doubt about it. They haven't played anybody, but they're 9-0. This is one of the greatest starts of all time. The Oakland A's have dropped to 2-7. Very important Las Vegas moment here. So everyone pay attention, please, in Vegas and our expanding audience in the Bay Area. This is now the perfect storm. No one wants to go see the A's after opening weekend other than Star Wars night and root beer float night and whatever parachute night they have and every gimmick they have up there. So now you're going to see the A's go to about two to 3,000 fans a night, okay, unless there's a stupid promotion where you get a beach towel or a sippy cup. So this is going to get ugly for the A's who are – playing Las Vegas as a pawn, and everybody in Oakland is smart enough now not to go. This is the biggest number one problem in Major League Baseball. It's called the Oakland Athletics. 